0: On this episode of The Current of Emergency Management, we'll be talking about outdoor warning sirens.
1: Welcome to The Current of Emergency Management.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Cody Powell, here with my co-host of The Current of Emergency Management, Dr. Mirabel Martinez-Majea.
1: Hey, Cody. How's it going?
0: It's going good. I'm glad good. that we're finally back recording another episode. Well, I think yes. we set a new record we didn't want to set.
1: I know. I can't believe it's the end of September already. Uh, time sure does fly.
0: <laughs> it's Yeah, and, and it's... You know. Yeah. So to everyone out there listening, we apologize. Very sorry. We talked about maybe pre-recording a few episodes that aren't necessarily time relevant to try and, and avoid that happening again. I'm not going to say it's not though. No promises.
1: The life of emergency management, right? It's But I, we've had so much great feedback and I appreciate all our listeners, you know, hanging in there with us and and uh we'll get back into back into the rhythm, right, Cody?
0: I sure hope so. And and as you said, the life of an EM—that's a you know a nice little segue to our standard disclaimer. Mayor Bell and I are both employed full time in emergency management, and this is not a part of our normal job duties. So any opinions that we have are our own and not a reflection of our employer.
1: And again, the normal disclaimer: uh, Cody does work for a county emergency management office, and I am more on the regional side.
0: With tons of experience before you got there.
1: Well. <laughs> Yes, and and especially on today's topic. It'll be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it.
0: It will. And, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about something, we don't necessarily know each other's opinion until we talk about it. We know each other's opinion to a point on this one. Today, we're talking about outdoor warning sirens. You love them or you hate them. And Maribel loves them and I hate them.
1: I love them. When did you When did you hear me say that?
0: <laughs> you, uh, you, it's a love hate relationship. Yeah, there you go. It's a love. <laughs> see, there is no love hate on my side. They, uh, they, you know. But we'll we'll get uh, we'll get deep deep into that as we go along here in the episode. Real quick, just wanted to remind everyone uh, we are on social media: Twitter, Facebook, and kind of Instagram. I haven't figured Instagram out.
1: I I have an Instagram account honestly but I don't use it. So
0: I I thought it I could takes post. Too much
1: time to learn all these new social media oh, stuff. gosh, <laughs> I know.
0: I, I, and I thought I could just post on on Facebook and it goes to Instagram but apparently it has to have a picture or something. I don't know. Yeah. So probably most active on Twitter. You know, we post the episode updates on on Facebook and our personal LinkedIn pages cuz we can't figure out how to set up a business page. <laughs> <laughs> so one day we will. Um, if anyone hasn't been able to pick up on it, we are not the PIO social media <laughs> people. For I actually am a PIO. I'm not the social media. What What's that title? What would that be?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that,
0: that yeah, person. Yeah, I think it's social
1: media coordinator, right? I mean, yeah. most EM offices are the office of one or two, and then you have to learn it, right? You're kind right. of expected to do that role. But we've been fortunate to have staff that love it and love love doing it and are great at it
0: yeah so it's uh, it's been it, that's a yeah that whole social media world is interesting I'm trying to figure out some people have nailed it there's some great social media yes. not just uh, emergency management but public safety as a whole yeah I agree so but with that we'll uh, we're gonna jump into it topic of the day is outdoor warning sirens. And so we've we've got some stuff we're going to lead into, but kind of getting ready for the the episode was doing a little background history on on OWS and found some of it interesting. So a lot of what I'm going to be reading here is coming off of an article. We'll post a link to it here in the show notes. But kind of going back into the history of the the, uh, outdoor warning siren was quite an interesting little journey. So I'm going to back throw them back in the this civil yeah, go defense ahead.
1: days, right? Right back in the civil defense days.
0: It was. It Did you know there was a point in our our history where you weren't allowed to issue a tornado warning?
1: Who wasn't allowed the weather service?
0: Yeah, no one. Of course it was the weather oh, really? bureau.
1: Back yeah.
0: Then, yeah. They were not allowed to. Not so allowed to. In the 18, 1880s and 1890s, tornado forecasts and warnings, there was a general consensus that, that issuing those would cause more harm than good, and a ban was placed on the issuance of tornado warnings really? uh, in 1887 all the way until 1938.
1: I did not know that. I learned something new today. Yeah. It's a panic. Hey, wind is coming. Yeah.
0: Right, and that's what was kind of the general, the thought, the feeling is that it would incite panic, and it would cause cause more harm than good. But the, uh, the United States Weather Bureau didn't officially remove the band until 1938, but it was only in warnings and not forecast. So it was only when there was a tornado warning that they could could actually even use the word tornado. Wow. And then, not, in, but not in forecast. It wasn't until 1948 that it was finally lifted.
1: Wow, that's a long time.
0: And that was actually the beginning of the the modern tornado warning process system, uh, the FABUSH Miller system, uh, forecasting tornadoes at Tinker Air Force Base, 1948. That was the event that that pushed the issuance of a tornado warning to the forefront. Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't it crazy how much we've learned since then? Public (laughs) warning and weather systems and still so much to learn, right?
0: Could you imagine telling the public now that we're not going to tell you about something (laughs) because it might cause panic? It
1: might cause panic.
0: That doesn't work in our age of information, does it? No,
1: no. We want multiple ways to get warned, right? We need a a text, a call, an email.
0: Oh, uh, that's funny that you mentioned that because we're going to get into that. Multiple ways of being warned. <laughs> <laughs> so that that event, Tinker Air Force Base, nineteen forty-eight, March. There was a tornado warning that caused. I'm a little fuzzy on this part of the article. it Caused ten million dollars in damage. So Fawbush and, and and Miller, Fawbush and Miller, had examined the weather conditions that produced a, a March or that produced the March tornado. And then five days later, March 25th, they issued a tornado warning and ended up – a lot of people were able to take shelter. The tornado um, struck the base, and and that once their system and their process of being able to predict the tornado uh, was verified, that was actually the beginning of the modern area of tornado warnings. The interesting part, and the part I'm a little fuzzy on, is – the tornado struck on the 20th of March. Ten million in damage. It was five days later when they issued a warning for another tornado. <laughs> wow!
1: I, Must have been an active season.
0: Right. And I'm sitting here going, two tornadoes hit the same exact same location, not same area. It hit the base. Uh, yeah. Um, and five days apart. It didn't say if that ten million is today's dollars, but if that was 1948 dollars, that was a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So then afterwards news of the six, the tornado warning spread quickly and the general public began to wonder why the government couldn't provide that information out to the to the general public and not just on an on a military base. You know the military can do whatever yeah. it wants. Right. So the weather bureau might say, Well you can't say tornado the military will say, watch this. You know, so uh <laughs> the word spread apparently one of the things that that also led to the the change of the feeling was that when the warning would be issued on the base, it would get leaked to the general public.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, so public are like, "Hey, how how come we can't have the warning and protect ourselves too?" It's not, yeah, it's not fair. That's good.
0: So then the uh, and I found this very amusing. There was an article written around that time that that discussed the success of their their warning. And it says the, the Fawbush-Miller system will not cut into the big business of selling storm sellers. But the, this cracks me up, but the Oklahoma farmer who said he always depended upon flying corn stalks and bed quilts to warn him of approaching twisters will now have ample time to walk, not run, to his scare hole. <laughs>
1: So that's, I, I think if I saw that I, quilts fly in and cord socks flying, I'd be running. I'd, I'd, <laughs> that's
0: hilarious. And, and now you can walk and not run to your yeah, scare you hole. Walk. I've never heard <laughs> I've never heard a shelter called a scare hole before, but I like it. Nice. And then so, as, as you said, in, in 1950, the uh, Federal Civil Defense Act that was passed created the, the what we now call the outdoor warning siren. Part of the legislation provided federal support to states for defense equipment and the federal government required public warning systems. So we know going all the way back to at least 1950 that unfunded mandates existed. That's probably a topic for another episode. And so the the public warning systems, obviously, especially back then, pre-cell phone and social media and electricity in some parts of the country, then the easiest way to warn the public was with with these large sirens. Again, we're still talking about civil defense at this point. Mm -hmm. So then through several disasters, including Hurricane Camille in 1969, then uh, uh, through political pressure, dual use of the Civil Defense Funds for Natural Disasters became available, and the use of the outdoor siren for tornado warnings first documented in 1970.
1: Was that after the Lubbock tornado?
0: This article doesn't saying. say. It just says was, the first uh, use.
1: A lot of things happened after the Lubbock tornado, 1970. I wonder if this one was linked to it too. Not but sure. Yeah, have I, you seen
0: the memorial they're building or built in Lubbock? Yeah,
1: I have seen it. Yeah, is yeah.
0: it? Yeah, I've seen I, pictures. I, I think, it looks beautiful. Well, I
1: don't know. If, yeah, uh, there's a lot of history there. It's, um, you know, I, I've come from a couple of jurisdictions that had large warning systems, outdoor warning siren systems. And my favorites were the old-time civil defense uh, sirens. There's just so much history there. Uh, but, man, they're loud. But they've, they've got a good look to it. They're a little bit different than our modern-day sirens. Um, I always like to, if I'm venturing out, uh, kind of look at the sirens. I don't know. Do you ever do that? Do you look to see what type of outdoor warning sirens are out there when you travel?
0: Si- oh, God. My, it drives my wife nuts. Sirens, <laughs> microwaves on towers. I look oh, at yeah. it, driving down the highway, which direction is the cell microwave facing so you know whether or not yeah. you're going to have service. Yeah, it's it's kind of a sickness. <laughs> That's funny. So after that, NWS had direct access to a lot of the civil defense uh, sirens in limited areas as early as 1971. And However, and I like this, that uh, warnings were also disseminated to local emergency management.
1: So weather service had it first,
0: huh? They had it first.
1: Interesting.
0: So what I'm what I'm hearing is that we can blame the weather service for all of the <laughs> outdoor warning. I have a feeling I'm going to get a couple calls from my friends Uh-oh. in the weather service when this gets posted. I'll I'll take it. It's fine. Um, they so they would disseminate to local EM through. I love this teletype, uh, telephone what? and teletype. Yep. Telephone and NOAA uh, weather radios,
1: hmm.
0: and then that that ultimately led to the NAWAS system. Do you remember that term? I do. Yeah. Does it still exist? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't. I don't either. If you if you're not familiar, it's the um, National Warning System NAWAS. They they weren't as good. I guess you can't say NWS National Warning System. Isn't that now
1: IPOS though? It's
0: transitioned to iPods, right? Well, it was. Give me a second. Uh, the the mobile alert first. The iPods is the is the umbrella that brings several of the warning systems together. Mm-hmm. And so, if you send out through iPods, it hits all of them. Versus uh, W A S wi- wireless alert, W E S wireless emergency alert is oh, yes. like for your cell phone. And I can't remember the name of it. There's a different system that's hitting, like, the Dot towers here in Texas, the Dot signs. That's a different one. And it's a different one that's sent to the broadcast, right? And I think iPause hits all of them.
1: That is nice. Assuming that it has the latest technology, right? I know there's some grants coming on board to kind of look at the infrastructure. uh, Because there's so much new technology, but some of the systems out there that Push out warning are on older technology.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot. Uh, we we could probably do an entire episode series on that. But with the geo fencing and some of the the federal communication requirements on where the geo fencing falls and has to be within certain thresholds by a certain time. I think it's next year actually uh, that it has to be able to hit the geo within a certain threshold. And so there there's a whole lot going on. There's committees and. And more than you can imagine, dedicated to kind of, of that, that approach. It's a little over my head.
1: So outdoor warning sirens, Cody. You have some currently or not? No. Nope. Have you ever worked with them?
0: Not directly. So, And we
1: say outdoor warning sirens because that is kind of the, the term we use here. I know in different parts of the country they're not known as outdoor warning sirens. Um, they're known as tornado sirens. But we also because there's so many jurisdictions in our area, right? Um, we, we try to, um, and so many people, we, we do use them, or certain people use them for high winds, large hail events. It's not strictly tornadoes, and that's why they're called outwar- outdoor warning sirens.
0: And that's a good point. So one of the, the articles here I have is a, it's a recommended best practices from, from Skywatch. It has a couple of, of points on it, on when, when to use it, what are the best practices and kind of some of the criteria and they one of the things they say is activate when NWS has issued or reissued a, a tornado warning or during a severe thunderstorm, only if destructive winds are eighty miles per hour or greater. Mm-hmm. And then there one of the if without a NWS warning if a train spotter is indicated. Train spotters is almost the catch all. If you have a train spotter then then that, yes. that kind of trumps everything. One of the things I liked about this that was interesting on, on this one is it's got bad practices.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
0: Yeah. And it what says bad do, practices? Not, do not use an all-clear alert. Yeah. That makes sense. Confusing. Activating sirens for a warning in a neighboring jurisdiction. Or activating, I've never heard of this, but I kind of, I kind of get it. Activating for a severe thunderstorm warning during a tornado watch
1: know if i well in our area because you could have some severe thunderstorms producing 70 80 mile gust either what's a gust front the retro event whatever um that could cause a lot of damage and i know we use wind as our threshold here sure um but i could see that confusion with the tornado but it's still a very very viable threat and especially if you have outdoor events um a big special event you decrease that wind
0: level right Lightning well track. and that's their their justification for it in this article is that there, there are people who have said well because X number of years ago a tornado touched down without a warning I get that that justification uh, the desensitization to the tone of the siren same thing with using a, an all clear alert
1: right yeah and, and that as an emergency manager again with a ton of, of over a hundred, right. Sirens. I, 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 always liked the idea of having certain areas and being able to pick the sirens that I'm activating when the weather service introduced polygons. Oh, that was, that was awesome because then you could activate the warning sirens, um, inside the polygon. There's some instances right where the polygons are still too big And you don't want to sound the siren where the storm has passed. So it takes a little bit more effort on the the person that's sounding the sirens. And you really have to kind of pinpoint the area. So then when technology came that you could import radar into your siren system, even better. So it's getting better and better. But it's just you don't want to overwarn the public. And you want to make sure that if you're sounding the sirens, it's an area that really does need to take cover.
0: Well, and at the end of the day... It, what it what it boils down to is, is at least in our area and if it's different some in in other places and and actually we'll get into this a little bit there's some places that that it is but at least in our area the siren is meant to warn you of a threat it's not meant to tell you what the threat is yes and so it shouldn't be the only source of information
1: no i, I think the way our our public education group wrote it up you know as as they were looking at Refining that criteria a few years ago is, uh, you know, sirens go off. Like you said, it's a threat. You need to go inside and seek information. And, of course, if you're signed up for, uh, you know, weather service alerts or you have your weather radio, it's going to tell you, right, tornado warning, severe thunderstorm warning.
0: Well, not only that, the key to that, at least here, and you kind of spoke to it earlier, is we call them outdoor warning. Yes. They are not to, meant to warn you if you are in your home.
1: The amount of calls. You hear, it's just, um, again, working in two large jurisdictions, like, well, I can't hear my outdoor warning sirens. When are y'all going to put one in our neighborhood? And it's like, well, there's not a park there. There's not a school there. There's not a golf course there. Like you said, they're for outdoor.
0: Well, Do you ever get somebody call and say, when I'm when I'm in my storm shelter, I can't hear the sirens? Yes.
1: <laughs> I can't hear the all clear. Um, but then it's hard at night because, you know, you're sounding them. They're outdoor, right? Um, you may not have events, but you know that there's a tornado coming or there's high winds. And, you know, that that's another difficult decision. You have your criteria, right? You have to follow. But then you'll get the phone calls from people. Why are you sounding them at 2 o'clock in the morning? There's no outdoor events. And you're like, no. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the people who know that it's an outdoor siren.
1: Yeah. You can't win. If no, you're an emergency can't. manager, you can't win. You just gotta take it and roll with it and justify your actions, right? Why you sounded him.
0: Well I found out during decision. I found out during Uri that I was in charge of the power grid. <laughs> apparently. Oh really? Uh, apparently it's I'm the one who determines who no. throws the switch. So I don't think there's any situation where we've ever made hundred percent of the people happy. No. No. So one of the interesting parts about this article too is they have a good practice listed here. And it says that the in the NWS service assessment in 2011, the Joplin, Missouri tornado, there were many people who commented the first siren activation did not prompt them to shelter. But the second alert caught their attention and made them more likely to react. And so the suggestion as a result of that is that if a tornado is actively causing damage in your jurisdiction Or approaching, based on spotter reports, that the sirens be activated as often and continuous as possible until the threat has passed?
1: That's a hard one because, yes, I get that, especially if it's a large tornado, right? And But with, you know, and and different systems are configured differently. But in in both of my jurisdictions of an emergency manager and you had a tornado coming down, and you knew it was it was still going on. You knew there was threats possibly that night. The next day, you know, you're kind of in that active season. And you, you really have three good activations before you start, you know, um, having issues with your sirens, whether it's power-related or drivers that may go out. Um, I remember up in the panhandle, we would activate some sirens. And uh, active day, you know, do the three. The, the, the normal rule I had is you have really three good soundings, so use them wisely right? Five minutes steady, three soundings. Um, and the next day you would at least have, you know, if you activated 40 sirens, you'd have 15 that you had to fix the next day, whether it's power drivers, look at it, make sure everything's good. So you're, you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Now, if it's, it's a large scenario, you can do everything you can do. Right. But it's, it's, it's hard.
0: So five five minutes each activation is that what you said?
1: Yes, five. If you have,
0: let's be honest, if you have to activate it even a second time, especially if you're doing it based on a polygon, like that's a bad day. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a long time for a tornado to be on the ground.
1: Yeah, and then you know it's shifting, right? So it's moving. So then you have to change your your poly, you have to change your your poly or your siren polygon, right? As the storm is moving, and then activate another siren. So you always kind of keep a track mentally, right? Um, okay, I sounded these sirens. I sounded, it's 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 hard as an emergency manager, but you're trying to, to warn people the the best you can, and also knowing you're pushing no weather radio, you're pushing um, TV media, um, all the different alerts, but Okay, you're also thinking. Do I have storms coming in? Is this the only line? Am I having storms more tonight? More tonight or the next day? Um, do I have people that will fix them? Um, you know, if we sounded them, you know, I was telling staff, y'all make sure that you know our contract company's on board for tomorrow because they're they're going to be fixing some sirens tomorrow to get ready right. for the next storm.
0: Well, and I just want to mention it here too because we talked about the Joplin tornado. If you've never gotten a chance to read it, go to go to the Google or Yahoo or whatever your preferred search engine is, and type in Joplin pays it forward. You can find a typically find a PDF download of it. If not, you can order it on Amazon. I think it's like four bucks. Uh, it's a, a, a book in, essentially that was written after that tornado. It's really, really good information and it's essentially a lessons learned from the perspective of the person who was writing it. So each quote unquote chapter is police chief Fire Chief. Mayor, emergency manager, and it's their perspective of what happened and what their lessons learned were, uh, and that's really, really good information. So, not relative necessarily to the topic today, but that would be good information to seek and, and kind of learn from.
1: What a, what a great thing to do, right? You make sure that others learn from your experiences.
0: And if I remember correctly, it was they were asked to write a letter to themselves. Basically, Mm -hmm. and and what would you what do you wish you would have been able to tell yourself before this happened? And and the one big thing I remember on the EM uh, letter is that one one of the things that he wrote that and I'm I'm not quoting word for word, but he he said that one of the things that he quickly had to learn that is that it wasn't his job to do everything. Mm -hmm. It was his job to make sure everyone else did what they were supposed to do. And so it was it was just the you know that natural ability to to jump in and try and help and it was overwhelming and it, and then he he I don't he she I don't remember had to learn to step back and and really just support everyone else in, in their ability to do their job. Mm, and so that was a big lesson learned from there. great book, great insight. I highly recommend. it. We could probably do an episode on it. You have you re- read it?
1: No, I have not. No.
0: I read it. it and we'll do an episode, a future okay. episode on. Sounds it. good. So, um, a few, I think it was a few weeks ago, sent out uh, a uh, a tweet. Is that what what that thing's called on Twitter? Mm-hmm. A, tweet, yes, a tweet. A tweeted, a Tweety bird asking about outdoor warning sirens. Got some really good feedback on one, what people call them, and got a lot of answers that were tornado sirens, and then what the uses were. One interesting thing I'd never heard of is that several communities will use them to alert their volunteer fire department.
1: Yeah, some of the rural jurisdictions.
0: So that was new to me. But very different, all over the country, very different answers on what they're called and, and, and what they're used, or what they're used for.
1: Yeah, and tornado sirens, you know, they're not cheap. They used to cost, what, 25000 per siren, Uh, Back in the day, but, you know, now with some of the vulnerabilities, I know that's happened in the last 10 years, just like with everything, right, cyber-related. they have gone up to about 40,000 each siren. And uh, so it's not a cheap endeavor, but you got to do what's right for your jurisdiction. Um, You know, that also could buy a lot of no-weather radios, but, you know, would those people plug in a no-weather radio and program it? And I don't know. (laughs) Of course, these are outdoor warning sirens, right?
0: Outdoor.
1: <laughs> you do mass notification systems. I mean, there's there's multiple ways to get warning, right? It's a. Um, we always try to do it again, looking at siren placements. You know, okay, where's the school? Um, where's you know downrange? Um, is it a industrial area, which is is going to decrease this, the tone of the siren? Um, there's a lot of things to consider when you're placing a siren because they're not cheap, right? So you want to make sure you do it right.
0: So f- coming full circle on that, we were sending an article from, from a listener from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, asking our opinion about s- s- a storm that had hit their area that caused some controversy, as we've alluded to, every time the sirens do or don't go off, <laughs> the there's controversy. So this storm came through the, the county and produced, according to the article, it's it high EF0, low EF1. I found through a separate article that the, the there was wind speed recorded at 97 miles an hour, so that's accurate. EF1 goes up to 110. And so significant storm, but it wasn't a tornado. It, it was a, a, correct me if I pronounce this wrong, Maribel, a derecho? Derecho. Yeah. Derecho.
1: A derecho event? Yes, de re, derecho.
0: De, derecho. Gotta, derecho. Do I roll the R on that one? Yeah,
1: derecho. De derecho? Derecho. derecho? Derecho. Derecho.
0: It was a, dere- <laughs> it was a derecho, <laughs> and they didn't set their sirens off. And so, obviously, like it does, caused some, some controversy in the community. And so, a quote from the mayor, Paul Ten- Tenaken, I believe is the pronunciation, when asked why they didn't set them off, he said, "His quote, they are tornado sirens. We sound the sirens when there's a tornado, a confirmed tornado. There was not a confirmed tornado in Sioux Falls or even Minnehaha County, so our sirens didn't sound. Mm -hmm. And so then going on to the next part, the Sioux Falls emergency manager said activating the sirens too often leads to complacency and confusion, adding that the The policy not to sound them during non-tornado weather events is supported by commonly supported best practices in emergency management and meteorological industries. I don't know if I 100% agree that it's commonly supported best practices. I would say it's probably 50-50, depending on the community, on do you activate them only for tornadoes or for all weather events. Uh, But nonetheless, it sounds like it's their policy to only activate them for tornadoes.
1: Yeah, and you have to go by what your policies are, right? It's, you know, they've been drafted based on the community needs, the environment. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things that go into developing those. And uh, I know our policy is a little bit different than most, um, but it's a different area and uh, a lot more vulnerability um, where, uh, you know, even a wind event could make a lot of impact here. um, But may not be the same for a, a rural area or a different part of the country.
0: Right, and so if it's the policy, it's, it's policy. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with that policy. It makes it very clear you need a warning or you need a, a spotter. There is no. There shouldn't be any confusing confusion on when they're going off, no. on why they're going off. If you only set them off for a tornado, so I don't see an issue there. Um, there's a few other things in the article. I love and, and I love this. Mayor Tenho- Tenhocken and other officials who spoke Friday reminded the public that even in the event of an actual tornado, the warning sirens are only part of the infrastructure used to alert the public. Quote, there are multiple ways of keeping informed on the weather, the mayor said, inclu- including weather radios, cell phones, and seeing the sky that looks like beef stew. That tells you you should not be outside right now.
1: Yes, yeah, you got to be aware of your surroundings. How often do you get you get a warning, and you're like, "Is it really that bad?" And you go outside and look, verifying it before you take action. I think that was a, a big study with the Weather Service. You got to be aware, right? Um, th- there's so many different ways, whether it's AM/FM radio, TV, um, and every cell phone has WEA alerts for tornado now. Um, outdoor warning sirens you can set up. Different notifications, whether it's private industry or your jurisdiction. Uh, no weather radios, I forgot that. That should be top one uh, just because of different technology. But there's so many avenues to get warning.
0: Well, and I, look, I'll say this I found a video of this storm rolling through. And as funny as his, his quote is about the sky looking like beef stew, he is 100% correct. That storm, it was obvious it was coming in.
1: The retro events are, are quite impressive. I mean, it's you can see the wind coming,
0: <laughs> and it, uh, it, there was no doubt you should probably not be outside. Yeah. So again, quote the mayor. He said there are so many ways to be alerted of pending weather that the public the public has a responsibility to stay informed of their surroundings. If I could, I'm standing ovation. It, it is. It is the. Any government office is here to to assist to help. At the end of the day, personal responsibility has to prevail. Yes, my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to be you, you got to make sure you get the information right. Um, there's a lot of avenues out there. Do it. Um, I know I've always helped friends and family set up different notifications. I actually have you know uh, an app that I set up for my parents, uh, some of my other family members. You know, if a warning goes off in their area, I was like, y'all, y'all saw that, right? And, of course, they're signed up, too. And they go, yep, we got it. You know, we're bringing in the cars in or we're getting ready to go down to the shelter just in case. Um, there's a lot of personal responsibility that, that you could do and, and help your family and friends, too.
0: And so, in, ending talking about this article with a quote from NWS, some uh, meteorologist in charge up in that area. Todd Heitkamp, I believe is his name. I love this quote. If you were standing outside when the storm hit, waiting for the siren to go off, you were doing something wrong at the time, folks.
1: That's <laughs> right.
0: I, lo- I love that, that, that he said, if you were standing outside waiting for it to go off, you were doing something wrong. Again, if you see the video of the storm coming in, he couldn't be more right. And as simple as that is, it, it's, it's dead honest. And so I, I love that quote. That's like great. I'm, and yeah, I'm not surprised it came from somebody from NWS. Because as we figured out earlier, it's their fault that, uh, that outdoor warning sirens even <laughs> exist. There, <now. laughs> that
1: they gave it to the emergency managers.
0: So this, this article was sent to us from a listener with, with a couple of questions. Um, and this is, he, he's a student and, you know, still going through school and still learning, didn't, didn't really have an opinion, but was curious what our opinion opinions were. And, and, his question is, I'm curious, which side of this do you stand on? Would you or would you not have sounded the sirens knowing such a storm was coming through? So do you want to answer that first, or do you want me to?
1: You go right ahead.
0: So <laughs> I know
1: your answer. I think I know your answer. You
0: probably do. I'm, my answer is I'm not going to answer that. And the reason is is because I wasn't the one who had to make the decision. Based off of everything I have read... I haven't read the policy, but based off what I have read, I would not because the policy says confirm tornado. If that's what the policy says, that's what I would have followed. But I will not, especially publicly, not armchair quarterback another EM because I'm not the one that was sitting there having to make the decision to push the button or not. And at the end of the day, now that policy is very, very clear. Confirmed tornado through a train spotter yeah. or NWS, and so that one's pretty easy. But but most of them, I've never I've never seen quite so um, so strict. Yeah, I would never give my opinion on whether or not I would have set it off or not. If I would answer that question by asking the EM um, what what went into your decision of setting it off.
1: Yes, because only they know the information that they're getting, what they're getting from the weather service, what they're getting from their spotters. Um, it's, it's, you have to be in their shoes to see their, their reasoning for it. So I'm with you.
0: And even if I were reviewing it you know, professionally or for, for whatever reason, one of the things that I would probably look at is what good would setting it off have done? Was there any good to have come out of it? And and that's what I'm reading here is that people are just mad that they didn't go off. Well, was there a huge rodeo going on at the time that yeah. those people didn't have time to take cover because they didn't hear? Like, what was the event that you're mad about other than them not going off? Right. Especially yeah. when they followed their policy.
1: <laughs> yeah. If it specifically says tornado, then...
0: And so I don't know if that's the the answer he was looking for on which side that that we said would sit on. But, you know, A, from what I've read, their policy is tornado, so absolutely they followed policy. Does it mean they need to review their policy? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I I certainly agree with their logic. Anything outside of a tornado gets confusing. I I can't argue that point. Um, But would I have, have set them off knowing such an event was coming through? Based on the policy, absolutely not. But... If you if it weren't such a strict policy, then I, I still wouldn't say whether I would or would have. Uh, I wasn't there. And at the end of the day, Maribel, as I know you know all too well, not just setting off the, the siren but making a decision, activating a certain plan, shutting down a certain road, the what the EM who had to make that decision at the time they made it is really what matters. Right. It's easy to look at it after the fact and say, well, you did this or made this decision. Therefore, this, well, of course you, you're looking you're looking backwards.
1: Yeah, Yeah. hindsight's yeah.
0: But if you really yes. want to evaluate a decision, and this goes far beyond emergency management, and this is I learned this through, from a book through from General Mattis, "Call Sign Chaos." If you, if you'd like to read, great book on leadership, and he had to investigate some war crimes. And he made his decision on what was going to happen. There were several Marines who were being charged for, for war crimes. And he recommended uh, criminal action in the military for a few of them, but not for others. And it was not only based on their level of training, their level of knowledge, but where they were standing when everything went down. Oh, wow. And so he really considered what is their perspective in what was happening. and And that is is genius and an incredible example of leadership but at the end of the day that's the truth you have to go off the perspective of the person who had to make the decision
1: agree with you 100% Cody
0: so hopefully that answers answers your question enough
1: <laughs> that was a good discussion so like i said i learned something on the history of of sirens tornado warnings right and then sirens and um, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I know so many people use them and are looking at replacing different systems. So many different companies that, that are out there. Audible versus—we didn't even go into into that, Cody. Audible versus non-audible, right? The voiceovers. Oh, we could,
0: how long could the, we?
1: Uh, we could talk all
0: day. I was going to say five, six hours. <laughs> Siren we could types. easily.
1: Do they rotate? Do they not? Uh,
0: right. What's the? What is it called? The throw? The audible throw? What's the decibel? Yeah, Decibles? in yeah, The
1: coverage.
0: Getting into yeah, all I, the I don't even remember sure. the you you know you you well, you and I've talked about it before the mm-hmm. decibel loss at a certain distance yeah. and based on the height that makes a big difference and yeah. you know it's amazing to me with all of the the technology that it's still and if, have you heard this argument well yeah we have all this new technology but what if that technology fails yeah. you know like your cell phones. Right and and then I always say, "How do you set your sirens off? Oh well yeah, I, I can set them off from my radio. <laughs> 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 you mean the same technology that you're using to set them off is what you're worried about if my cell phone fails.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's why there's backups and, and you know it's interesting because you know this is, this is very so technical, but again something that emergency managers you know are kind of forced to learn. Right. It's, you know, going into my career, I had no clue about radios and siren systems and vulnerabilities. And it's just something another thing. Right. That that emergency managers have to learn and figure out on their own. There's no real textbook on it. Have you seen a textbook on what to consider when you're installing outdoor warning sirens or how to activate it? I don't think this is anything they teach you because um, there's no real standardization of it.
0: But. If I saw that textbook, I would run from wherever I was that that textbook existed. <laughs> it's, it, and, it, and at but, the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's my big one. Show me anyone who operates an outdoor warning siren without controversy. It, it Right? And so yeah. is the level of controversy and the cost – Worth it. That's my big question, right? And and I know that's going to be different in, in some jurisdictions, but as you said, $40,000 per siren. Yeah. How how many other things are available that are probably a better method of alerting people than the amount of time and, and money that are poured into the siren? I think it's just one of those things that we like to hold on to.
1: Oh, trust me. If I could, I could have let it go. I would have. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that emergency managers want to hold on to it. I no, think it's, it's not a us. Public, <laughs> yeah, it's the public, right? Right. They don't. They don't. They want something like that.
0: Yeah, it's not. Uh, I say we. No. We as culturally, not we yes. professionally. Right. Right. Uh, and, and I know there's going to be some EMS out there who are stomping their feet right now because for their jurisdiction it works, and that's great. I'm not saying. Yeah. Look, alerting your volunteer fire departments, awesome. Never heard of that before. I think that's brilliant in certain areas. Uh, you go back to the old fire box system, that's how fire departments were alerted for, for things anyway, right? Yeah. And, and so, but I think overall, especially in the large metropolitan areas, it, you know, I mean, you tell me, you worked for a large jurisdiction. If you were to tell me that I'm putting a siren everywhere I have a park, that makes perfect sense to me a park mm-hmm. or an outdoor venue then that makes perfect sense to me. The problem is, correct me if I'm wrong, if you put it in that park and you don't have one in the neighborhood, you know, two neighborhoods over, then it's a, well, why do they get one and we don't? And so you put them everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and even in the early days of, you know, installation, and I mean, there wasn't, you know, that that science to it. So we're just going to put it here um, because of politics or, or, like you said, it's... It's the threat, you know. Things change too, um, but yeah, everybody, everybody kind of wanted in their own neighborhood, or this, this is our park. We want it here. Their HOAs would get involved. Um, there's a lot to it,
0: and so that's the, the, for me. A lot of my, opinion, I'm, I'm very harsh in that in, with talking about them, but it's it, that's where a lot of it comes from. Is the amount of time, the amount of money, and the amount of controversy, it, instead of the the constant, why didn't you set them off? Why this? Well, how come they're you know. Then maybe is there a better way? Maybe that's the more appropriate question.
1: Yeah, and I think that was you know the purpose of the Wee alerts with cell phones. Right now, everybody has a cell phone. Well, can we replace our in technology and kind of invest more into the Wee's? But of course, then you have people that turn off that feature on their cell phone. Well, that's because where I think some of the, the
0: personal responsibility has to yeah. matter. If you don't, if you don't want the we alert, then don't ask your jurisdiction to put up an outdoor warning siren. Yes.
1: said so you're not going to make everybody happy. There's so many, especially large jurisdictions, right, that are, that are for it, so many that are against it. Um, ultimately, you have to do what's right for your area and, and your vulnerabilities. And-
0: sure. Oh, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Don't. I hope no one is taking what they're hearing you and I talk about today and using that to base their decision-making. <laughs> right. You have to do what's right for your jurisdiction. That's true anywhere but I think that it, now and, and for as long as, as I can see into the future, an interesting topic for debate that will always be a debate if you get a bunch of EMs together and somebody can just walk into the room and say, hey, what do you all think about outdoor warning sirens? And then you can just sit back with popcorn and watch the show.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So, yeah, tons there. We could, like, we could go on and on and on. I'm glad we're not going to.
1: No, well, that's a good topic. Good <laughs> show, is. and appreciate the, again the listeners kind of uh, giving their their feedback right on that on that tweet that you did, and then um, uh, a listener providing a story for us and kind of asking us, and kind of some of the feedback that we enjoy getting and, and could be a, a future show for
0: us. Very much so, and and what we're going to try and I think we talked about it earlier. Try and record a few that are non-specific uh, to to. The current time, right? So, you know, a lot of times we're talking about things that have happened or or different seasons that are coming up. But I think we have enough topics that we can can pre-record so that if we do have this month-long hiatus uh, that we would. And we tried, just so everybody knows. We had a meeting together (laughs) last week, I think. And we're going to try and... Record after that meeting, and it was like one of the first times the meeting actually went through its entire scheduled time. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> it would normally finish early, so it, it's gonna happen. We're gonna, but we'll promise to do our best.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Cody.
0: Thank you, and we appreciate, discussion. yeah, yeah, we appreciate everybody out there and, and all of the feedback that we get. Please like, share, rate the, the show on whatever podcast host site that I think is the right term that you're listening on or whether it's through the, uh, the web link. Uh, and then, you know, like and share us on social media. We really appreciate all the support.
1: Awesome. Y'all have a great day. Thanks again, Cody, and we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time. Take care.